Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the program. That music sounds kind of like Jeopardy, doesn't it? A little bit. This is the Tournament of Champions. <laughs> no? Uh, whatever. Oh, I'd love to be associated with Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings, yeah, greatest of all go. time. Yeah. <laughs> proud, you, proud son of Utah. Amen. That was fun to watch. Uh, also on television last night, if you weren't watching Jeopardy, the Democrats got together. <laughs> they uh, debated one another, six of them. Uh, you made a good point. Uh, our guest in studio right now is Scott Howell, former state senator uh, here and my go-to for all things Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Maybe there's only one of us. So, <laughs> uh, so, so we've been talking throughout uh, the last segment about, uh, I, I asked the very uh, amateurish question of who won the debate. Uh, any losers? Anyone uh, demonstrate? Some some unpredicted weakness yesterday. Well, I think that uh, Sanders and, and Warren uh, showed a side of them. She said, uh, he said, and, and that I think is damaging. I, I really do. In this uh, Me Too movement and the world that we live in, and, and you know what? If he if he did say it, he should have just owned up and said, "Yeah, at that time I didn't think a woman could." And, and if if I don't know why Warren would keep pressing him on it and then giving that look like, "No, you did say it." I thought the moderator handled it handled oh, yeah. poorly. In the follow-up question yeah. to uh, Senator Warren, Warren. You, you have to acknowledge what was just said, yeah. and it was very clear that uh, she was just moving her way down the list of questions pre-prepared. Uh, uh, she wasn't listening to the answer. I there mean, there you go. That, there that, you go. That could have been it. They're so yeah, you focused. Have to be, you have to be dialed in. You have to be able to adjust and adapt on the fly. I don't and, think that happened. And that's a great thing about a moderator. A good moderator is that they're able to uh, reflect off that question and then do the follow-up one, as opposed to say, oh, "I got." Ten more questions. I just got to ask this. Exactly right. Uh, w- let's catch folks up. What we're talking about is that there was an accusation leveled by uh, Representative Warren, Senator Warren, against Bernie Sanders, saying that uh, a number of years ago he made the statement to her that he did not believe that a woman would be elected president or could be elected president. And so the moderator said, uh, uh, Senator Sanders, uh, what do you have to say about that? And he said, well, I deny it. I didn't say yeah. it. It didn't happen. And so the follow-up question, if I remember the wording exactly, was... And this is, again, immediately following right. Senator Sanders saying, no, I did not say it. Instead of acknowledging the denial, uh, it goes, the moderator uh, turns her attention to Senator Warren mm-hmm. and says, so when he said that to you, what did you think? Yeah, exactly. Eh, I know, it's a it little... was exactly. <clears throat> anyway, uh, shooter. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, that's uh, that's debates and that's how technical we're getting and, and how we look. There, you know, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Lee. Oh, I just can say. I was going to ask uh, about uh, military and yes. uh, 
Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg, he at one point made a comment uh, about uh, challenging the president, President Trump, uh, to say to him in the face, to look him in the eye and make you know some of the decisions about sending troops here or there uh, in the face of, again, Mayor Pete, uh, who has served multiple combat tours, a member of the military himself. And uh, what Mayor Pete did was I dare him to make a comment like that to me or make an assertion like that to me when he himself uh, dodged things with his bone spurs. Did that play? How did that How did that come off, you think? Oh, I think, it, depending on the audience, it, it caught some attention. Probably uh, hardcore uh, military are looking for anything. You know, why did, why did our commander-in-chief uh, uh, skirt out of the, the military? But I, I thought the real question, the heart of it, and I think it was right after that, the impeachment came up, and the question was, will this affect anything that happens in the campaign? And uh, it was interesting that uh, while we're moving this impeachment forward, all of them acknowledged, but Biden was the strongest who said, no, it's not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, we're beyond that. And it's interesting that these presidential candidates are beyond it. Yeah. Congress is going, oh, we just handed it off to the Senate, so uh -huh. we're going to let them run with it now, yeah. and let's go see what happens over there. So, Let me ask you this. Uh, something that you said just a moment ago made me uh, kind of wonder along these lines. Most folks have, or let me rephrase, many individuals have the, the candidate to, for whom they're rooting. Right. Is there a lot of movement? Do these debates, does last night move anyone from one camp to another? Does, has anyone found themselves on the fence and then maybe after last night uh, or, or as they witness these debates in general, do, are, are folks moved and swayed by these types of presentations? Lee, that's a great question and uh, I, I probably sound like a politician and it depends, but let me give you an example. If you have hardcore Bernie supporters and they're on the Me Too movement and they hear that he asked that question and then he denied it, they're going to gravitate towards a warrant because she's got some of the philosophical things, uh, uh, the, the spending, I mean, the uh, health care, free college, things like that. Um, if you are a, a candidate that's uh, languishing out there and you're not, you're not being able to move the needle, you have to come across very strong all the time. And this is what I say about Joe Biden. And again, full disclosure, I'm a big fan and I'm going to do everything I can to help him. But if he would have had that same energy at the, uh, throughout the debate as he had at the end on his closing comments, I think that would have moved the needle a lot. And uh, Klobuchar, it's just the opposite. She was really getting in her stride. I mean, she was talking about things that appealed to Democrats, Republicans, independents, and, and had a, a global view of what's happening. Uh, and then at the end, it just kind of sputtered. And so what you remember is the closing statement and not what she did during the, the debate. So I, I think the, the first poll that came out, it still had Biden uh, high. Uh, overall, you know, running against Trump, but uh, the the Iowa caucus is, I think, two weeks away, three weeks. I can't remember. I oh, should. Shoot. Know I that. said I had a calendar. That, I do that, have one here. That's okay, because uh, the the most important thing is these candidates are out working hard. They are pounding the streets uh, in Iowa. They're going to places you you and I have never even heard of in our entire life. So the Iowa caucus, February third, February third, State, State of the Union address, February fourth, uh, New Hampshire primary. Uh, February 11th. Uh, and then Utah, March, uh, I think it's the 3rd. Yeah. Yeah, in our uh, great, uh, and Super Tuesday will be right out here uh, sooner than later. And I, I encourage everybody to please register. 
get involved because at the end of the day, you and I know this, Lee, it's about how voters vote. And uh, my good friend over the parking lot over there, um, we always have this conversation when I come in. He's just got registered to vote. and he's so excited yeah. to be able to do that. But that's what makes the difference. I want to uh, talk. We have time, uh, not much time left, just a couple of minutes. I want to play a quick clip from Tom Stair. I want to uh, sure. focus on the two billionaires yeah. involved in the race. <laughs> the one uh, who was on the stage last night, uh, businessman, businessman Tom Stair. Uh, and then after this clip and some analysis, uh, I want to talk about Michael Bloomberg. Got it. Look. We know how Donald Trump is going to run for president. He's going to run on the economy. He's already told Americans last month in Florida, you don't like me and I don't like you, but you're all going to vote for me because the Democrats are going to destroy the economy in 15 minutes if they get in control. So let's be clear. I started a business by myself in one room. I didn't inherit a penny from my parents. I spent 30 years building that business into a multi-billion dollar international business. The Dow is up. Unemployment is down. Uh, An agreement was signed just today with China where uh, agricultural folks and many of the manufacturing folks here in the United States are expected to see uh, new profits and added jobs. Uh, There are good cases to make uh, for why President Trump is doing well in those areas. Uh, The the businessman here, Mr. Steyer, last night in the debate said uh, there are a lot of folks that don't like him, but they are on board with the results he's delivering. Uh, Did did Tom last night make a, a case enough for folks to jump into his camp he, he made a very uh a, 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 a very important case for what i was talking about early that kind of middle america that wants to be a part of this they want to feel that the market is helping them they want to feel the 401k is paying off and i think that's exactly why president trump got a, elected i think the clinton folks just it took them all for granted they weren't participating in so i think he did gain some traction and the big question, though, that you have to, that, that overlays everything is what Klobuchar started on the deficit. Yeah, we might be in fabulous financial times right now, but at what cost? How many trillions? And I look at you and you and your, your, your team, your, your, your age group and that, we don't want, we should not be burdening you with trillions of dollars of debt. It just doesn't work because at one point in time, the chickens are going to come home to roost. And I think that we have to be concerned about that. So, yeah, he made a, a great point and he'll take him on in the economy. And, and uh, President Trump is it's leading that. Some people would say that the president has nothing to do with it, regardless of Democrat or Republican. Other people say that they have a lot to do with it. But at what cost is our is our economy doing so well? And I got to tell you, I am all about the deficit. I am concerned, concerned, concerned. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Scott Howell, I'm grateful to you. Thanks for joining oh, us. Oh, Lee, it's always a pleasure. We'll Absolutely. see you at 33. Next debate, <laughs> you and me back here talking about it. Uh, next up, should iPhone or the iPhone folks over at Apple, should they be helping law enforcement crack open the phones of the bad guys? We're going to talk about that next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.